And this morning, you know, uh, I've, we've been so much enjoying, haven't we, the, uh, um, the I am statements of Jesus in John's gospel, seven I am statements. Each one expresses a nuance of the, of the wonderful personality of Jesus Christ. And uh, today, I am the door. Jeremiah Pickerel is going to reveal uh, the word to us today. And uh, let's hear the oracles of God, God's voice on his voice. Give Jeremiah a warm welcome as he comes and teaches today. Too many things. Good morning, everybody. Situated here. Sometimes you can have too many props, I guess. Anyways, uh, just before we uh, dive into the messages, isn't it funny sometimes how uh, the Lord just really um, stretches you? in certain times, and one thing uh, I know Kathy and I, and I'm sure Dan and Brenda and David, any, anybody that's taught up front or any time you've done teaching, whatever you're preparing for, the Lord likes to stretch you in. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, this, this week has been quite the chaotic week for um, our family in general, um, you know, but it's been an amazing week too, you know, and um, overlooking schedule-wise um, with Pastor Dan and asking me to speak on a Sunday morning um, some certain things. And normally I convey to him a message that uh, meatloaf. And uh, the history on that word is a long time ago, uh, years back, um, we were having a uh, leadership luncheon on a Sunday. And, and he's like, uh, you know, can you be there? And I says, well, uh, my wife uh, made um, her mom's meatloaf, um, and so we're having that today with all the kids over after church. And so ever since then, he's like, can you make it, or is this a, a meatloaf time? <laughs> <laughs> and so um, uh, things got a little cross this time, and I, um, I yeah, I can preach uh, Sunday, and scheduled it right on the same weekend as that we go up into the snow and, uh, <laughs> and cut our tree down and uh, do the whole shoot guns and, you know, and all that kind of stuff up there past uh, Butte Falls. And so yesterday, not as bad this morning, but yesterday I was, we were coming down off the hill about uh, three o'clock and rushing down to town and um, I had to, I'm on in snow gear and all yucky, <laughs> gross, you know, and get cleaned up, make it to six o'clock service. And I hadn't put this together which we almost had some accidents with that last night, just in my quick putting it together, but I reassured it this morning so it works better. Anyways, just the cold craziness of that, and then also, too, with, you know, dealing with um, currently Melissa's dad is in the hospital, and, you know, just the roller coaster of life sometimes. And uh, just... Um, processing through that but there's only one way we can process through that and it's Jesus uh, who my message is about this morning that I am the door and how Jesus is the door to everything that we need 
And it's funny that I think the last three sermons I've preached has been about <laughs> that same format. I, maybe God's even telling, he's always telling you this, go deeper in me, you know. I talked about abiding in the vine last time and uh, the time before that um, about Jesus as well. But our focus verse today will be John chapter 10, verses 7 through 9. And in this life's journey, you know, we are going and growing and we're learning. And there's, there's always these um, many different doors that come along in life, isn't there? You know, these, these doors that, that will promise that financial gain. But a lot of times, if we're going after that financial gain of the world, it's at the expense of family, and it's at the expense of friends. It's at the expense of those around us. And then there's those doors of the promise of pleasure or enjoyment. And it's, use, it's usually at the expense of what? Relational baggage later on in our lives. And then there's those doors of, you know, being well-known or popularity or fame, you know, and it's at the expense of treating others as outcasts or not accepted. The reality is with these doors that are presented to you, they're presented to you as an enticement to speak to something that is a want, especially especially in our younger years, we we have these desires and wants and places and goals that we want to get to. And so the enemy likes to bring along doors to try to entice us to walk through, to, to tack on that extra baggage um, in our lives to, to show and to try to accuse us that you are not worthy, that you are not worthy. And you know what? We aren't, if you look at it through his eyes, but we, when we look at through it with Christ's eyes and our Heavenly Father's eyes, He's saying, my children, my children, you are so worthy. You know, um, quick example here, financial provision. You know, it's one of the first things I mentioned, financial gain. You know, we can be set so free as individuals in our lives if we learn some key financial provision when we're younger. You know, my wife and I were fell into traps, and my parents helped us through it with some stuff, and, you know, we learned from it, and we grew from it, you know, and it was freeing, and one of those things um, that I've learned in growing up is that if there's something that you want, it's better to save up for it than to just go out and put it on credit, because credit creates bondage that ties you down. You're a slave to another man. You know, because it's their money that you're having to pay back, and you're paying usually twice, three times, ten times more than it would have been if you just had saved up for it. And, you know, one thing I've learned recently with my wife and I, where it's my Uncle Tommy used to have a big jug of coins. It was a big, those five-gallon water um, jugs, and he used to throw coins in it and build up with coins. But uh, my wife and I, we, we have a smaller jar here. And uh, through the week, I, um, as I buy apples or bananas and at, when it's my break time at the store and stuff, I take the change and I put it in my pocket. And every day in the morning, I empty the change and I put it on the counter. My wife takes it off the counter and she puts it in this jug. And so we use this for something that we want to do. So like a special trip to the coast 
or um, just a nice dinner one night, you know. And so how, how much do you think, and those of you that were here last night, exclude you, David, uh, how, how, how much do you think is in this currently? What's just a couple guesses real quick? 36, 20, 12. Would you believe that there's $90 in here? You know, when we think of something small, it can turn into something huge. That's, it's so, that's prophetic, you know, with God. He'll take the little things, the uh, fishes and loaves of bread, and he'll multiply it, or the oil, and he'll just fill up more and more containers of oil, just overflowing, just taking that little thing. So there's just a financial provision that if you just tap into that, that's the reality before us today. You know, there is a truth that there is only two doors in life. There's the door to life, and there's the door to death. The door to death will present itself in many different forms, as as I mentioned. It'll try to lure you. It'll try to please you. It'll try to gratify you. But in the end, it leads to death and destruction. The door to life is one door, one way, and one person, and that is Jesus Christ. Where do you find yourself today? What door do you find yourself entering into and pursuing today? You know, Dan spoke in this past message a couple weeks ago that Christ is the light, that he, he pushes back the darkness. And there's no darkness where Jesus Christ is. And then David spoke about uh, Jesus is the bread of life, that we have everything we need in Jesus Christ. He is everything. I spoke on, I am the vine. Stay under the spout where the glory comes out. Stay connected to the vine of what God is releasing into your life because that's where the substance is. And today we're going to learn about Jesus being the door. There's three things I want to point out in the text for us today. The first is the introduction. We're going to see Jesus Christ introducing himself to the Pharisees. The second point, we're going to see the invitation. We're going to see Jesus standing before the religious leaders giving them an invitation. And the last thing we're going to see is illumination. Upon coming to faith in Jesus Christ through salvation, there are promises that Jesus says here in the text that we have as we enter into the door of Jesus Christ. But before we jump into this text, let's set the scene a little bit here of what's going on. So here in chapter 8, two chapters before this, you have this dialogue with Jesus, and he's having it with two groups of Jews. You have the ones that believe and follow Jesus Christ, and you have the Jews that don't believe and don't follow Christ. And Jesus says to the Jews that follow him in John 8, 31 and 32, then Jesus said to those Jews who believe in him, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free or make you free. This dialogue here springs up this conflict with the Jews towards Jesus. You know, they look at Jesus and they say, what do you mean the truth will set us free? 
We're not held captive to anyone. We're not in bondage to anyone. We are the Jews. Our father is God. We come by Father Abraham. So Jesus says to these Jews in John 8, 42 through 47, Jesus says, If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceedeth forth and came from God, nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. Why do you not understand my speech? Because you are not able to listen to my word. You are of your father the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and does not stand in truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me? Which of you convicts me of sin? And if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? He who is of God hears God's word. Therefore, you do not hear because you are not of God. Could you imagine right now here in the hearts of these Jews? You know, Jesus is just calling them out. You're not following the the Father. You're not even following the Father Abraham or Father God, Yahweh. You are following your father, the devil. And then right after that in verse 58, Jesus says, Before Abraham was, I am. Then we transition into chapter 9 when Jesus encounters this blind man. The man was born blind, and Jesus heals this man, and the city just goes crazy. So much so that they take him to the the Pharisees. How is it that this blind man that hasn't seen his entire life, how is it he can see now? What just happened to this blind man? So the Pharisees approach the blind man, and they ask him, How are you with sight? And the blind man testified, That man, by the name of Jesus, he healed me. And the Pharisees get upset and are angry that this blind man is healed. They reject him. He's no longer part of the Jewish community. They they discommunicate him and exile him from the, the very community that he was a part, just because Jesus Christ healed him. Could you imagine if your child came home and they had been suffering an illness like blindness or deafness or whatever their experience, and they say, I have been healed. And your your is like, why have you been healed? And you react angrily and you reject them and you kick them out of your house. It's just ridiculous. So what we see in the character of these Jews is that they're angry that Jesus is doing something to them that they don't like. Then we transition into chapter 10. In verses 1 through 5 in chapter 10, we see this dialogue that Jesus brings up. This picture he gives of sheep and shepherd. And he says in verses 1 through 5, he uses this term that I am the shepherd of the flock of God. And he knows all his sheep individually by name and who they are. And he knew the sheep that weren't of his flock. Then he said, 
If you enter any other way, you are what? Thieves and robbers. The Pharisees are, in fact, thieves and robbers. So today in John chapter 7, John chapter 10, verse 7, it says, Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes not to comes except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. And in verse 7, Jesus says here again to them, And what Jesus is repeating is an imagery of sheep and shepherd. And he stands before the religious leaders with the tone that is pretty bold here. And he said, most assuredly, or some versions say, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door. This is is what I envision Jesus saying here. Excuse me. Hey, excuse me, in light of your anger, because I have just called you out, that you follow your father, the devil indeed, excuse me, excuse me, just a moment here, in light of your rage, I have just healed this blind man. In light of that, you let me reintroduce myself. I am. The door, the introduction, point one, Jesus is the door. So why is it that Jesus would communicate to these religious leaders that he's the door? Let's think about the context here. The Pharisees, religious leaders, followers of the law, doers and workers of the law, finding their life and identity by following the ways of the Torah. These Pharisees would actually see themselves as the gatekeepers to righteousness. What's funny this morning, um, in prayer, I just was thinking about this, someone came up behind me and laid their hand on their back and they said, you're, you're to release his righteousness. And they thought they were the gatekeepers and the right, they themselves. But we are to release Jesus Christ and his righteousness. They made intercession happen for others to come into relationship with God. That's who they thought they were. You see, this term for the door was not unusual in the Jewish community. For many of the Jews, they would see themselves entering into heaven by way of the door. And then with the sheep, when they're out in the fields, and the sheep pens would be set up like rocks. And there wouldn't be a door, an actual gate door on the sheep pen. The shepherd himself, when he would bring the sheep in at night, would actually lay himself across that door. He was the door. And so there was an understanding in the community about the door. 
And Jesus was saying, I am the door to my sheep. And Jesus steps onto the scene and says, let me, let me just trump what you guys are doing here and let you know who I am. And thus letting you know truly who you are in me. So remember in chapter 9, the, the same Pharisees, upon hearing that the blind man was healed, they didn't celebrate, but they asked the que- very question, why? Why is it that he's healed? How is it that he's healed? To give more context, the blind man was one of their sheep, wasn't he? They didn't celebrate the fact that, it was, that he was healed, but what did they do? They exiled him from the community. These Pharisees dismissed this man because he testified to the healing power of Jesus Christ. So they had to do something. These religious leaders cared more about their own power than the power of God. They cared about, more about their own glory and not the glory of God. They cared more about their own control and not the sovereignty of God. They cared more about their own ways and not the ways of God. They cared more about their own will and not the will of God. And they cared about their own systems and not the means by which Jesus called all men to himself. That is through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So Jesus introduced himself to the Pharisees and says, wait, wait, I am the door. In my very frame, you will find mercy. In my very frame, you will find love. In my very frame, you will find grace. Ephesians 2, 4 through 5. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we are dead in trespasses, made alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. In my very frame, there is forgiveness. Colossians 1, 13 through 14. He, was deli- he has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the Son of his love, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. In my very frame, there is joy. In my very frame, there is peace. In my very frame, there is patience. Galatians 5.22, the fruits of the Spirit. What Jesus is communicating to these leaders, to these Pharisees, is this, and let's not miss it, that Jesus Christ is the only way into a relationship with God. That Jesus Christ is the only way to life eternal. That Jesus Christ is the only way by which we may be forgiven of our sins. On the cross, Jesus Christ absorbed the wrath of God, doing that for us, sinners. And he would die on that cross. Then upon dying on that cross, he would be risen, conquering sin and death and the enemy, opening the door that we may enter through him into a relationship with a holy, righteous, loving, gracious, merciful, forgiving God, Jesus Christ, the door. 
He would be risen, conquering sin and death, opening the door for us to come in. What do you see on the other side of the door? What do you see on this side of the door? These same words are on the other side. There's a reason for that. First point. Jesus explains to the Pharisees and speaks boldly to these Pharisees, I am the door. Second point, invitation. He stands before them and says, if any would in, anyone would enter by me, invitation. The Pharisees miss him. As Jesus invites them in, they miss him. How could you miss the one who brings redemption? How could you miss the one that brings forgiveness? They cannot see the king of glory. They were more blind than the blind man that was healed because they were spiritually blind. They were spiritually dead. Here's our reality today. In all our circumstances of life, we can choose to be just like the Pharisees. What keeps us from entering into the door of Jesus Christ? What are some of the, the doors and idols that, may, that we may wrestle with every day? What about the door? It might not be the doors like the Pharisees ref, uh, wrestled with, but here are some doors that maybe we wrestle with today. What about the door of perfection? I have to be perfect. Everything always has to be good. Everything always has to be right, and I have to pursue this, and I have to strive for perfection. What about the door of power? Looking and striving for authority, for control. Everything always has to fit in the way I want it to fit. Everything always has to go the way I want it to go. The door of power. What about the door of success? Never content and always striving for the next benchmark. What about the door of a spouse? Why would you mention that one? Sometimes we allow that to be something that is a door above Christ. That determines who you are and where you find your life in your wife. Where you find your life in your husband, where you find your life in your girlfriend or your boyfriend. What about the door of children? My life is my children. Who I am as a mother, who I am as a father, that's your world. What about the door of beauty? Chasing what the world defines as beauty and not... Resting in who God says you are. You are made in his image. What about the door of self? Pride, arrogance, consume you so much that you care nothing about anyone around you. Everyone else is beneath you. What about the door of intellect? That my life is consumed with what I know. Our society has sure done this recently. We're consumed about what we know in our own knowledge and not going after the higher knowledge of Jesus Christ and our Father. 
and saying, I always have to know more. And there's some good things about these things that I mentioned. Just take spouse and children. They're great. You know, I love my wife. But there's something that my wife and I do, and that's this. In our relationship, I don't walk around the door of Christ into my own door of a relationship. I take my relationship and I walk through the door of Jesus. And I walk through. Because as I walk through the door of Jesus in my relationship, I have access to all of this in his frame in my relationship. But if I don't walk through the door of Jesus, then I, it leads to destruction. So I'm trying to do it on my own power. So Jesus in this text brings out two types of people, two types of sheep. The first sheep are those that are cared for and saved by Jesus. The second set of sheep are who are consumed by sin and darkness. I love how Jesus mentioned the concept of sheep because if you know anything about sheep, sheep are not the brightest of animals. You know, they need help. They need guidance. They'll even run off a cliff thinking it's the right way. So they do need that shepherd, that savior. And you know what's funny is Jesus turns to us just like he did to the Jews, (laughs) the Pharisees. And he, he says to us, you are like sheep. What do you mean? You're calling me stupid, that I'm not the brightest, that I need help, uh, uh, I'm going to just run off a cliff? Well, yeah, without him, you will. You will. It's truth. Apart from Jesus Christ, we are destined to death, and we need his help. So Jesus groups us as sheep needing a shepherd. What group are you in? Do you find yourself saved and cared for by Jesus, or do you find yourself consumed by sin and darkness? We have an opportunity as believers to confess our sins before the Lord, to seek forgiveness because we've been forgiven. The amazing thing is, as we find his comfort, his peace, and his rest, and we can draw near to a loving and gracious Father and find comfort, something comforting in the story is that the gospel of Jesus Christ, there's what? There's hope. In the midst of darkness, in the midst of death, there is hope in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have that, having come to the door of Jesus Christ. But some have not come to the door of Jesus Christ yet. And they need that hope. They need that freedom in Christ. Here's an amazing thing about coming to Jesus. The chains that enslave us. The things of the world that consume us. Death that invades us. Fear that overwhelms us. Cannot go through the door of Jesus Christ. Those things cannot go through the door of Jesus Christ. If, if you are experiencing in an area you're dealing with fear and frustration in any way, you need to evaluate that area. Because that cannot go through. If you're stepping through the door of Jesus Christ in that circumstance, it cannot go through. Jesus will take it away. 
That's the assurance you have when you're going through something. There's not going to be fear, anxiety. There's going to be patience, grace, love, mercy. There's going to be peace and joy and forgiveness when you're walking through the door of Jesus Christ. So he says here, point three, illumination. He releases some promises. The first promise Jesus gives us here as we enter in the door of salvation, Romans 5, 8 through 9. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. Second promise is this. We go in and out and find what? Pasture. What does this mean? To go in and out and find pasture. What that means is that God promises us that we have a provision in Jesus Christ that we will be provided for through Jesus Christ. We are nourished in him, that all our needs will be supplied by Christ. Philippians 4.19, And my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory, in in glory by Christ Jesus. But this verse, it's not saying I'll provide all your wants. Now Christ does want to give us the desires of our heart but it has to be done through him. It can't be done on our own. And it's freeing that the shepherd knows us individually to supply every single need that we have. That no matter what we're going through, we can walk through the door of Jesus Christ and walk to where? I've just walked to pasture. Oh, this situation. I've just walked to pasture again. Oh, wait a minute. This is going on. I just walked to pasture again. What do you find in pasture? You find nourishment. You find rest. You find peace. You find that joy. You find that forgiveness. So no matter what you're going through, no matter what's happening in your life, if you reside in Jesus Christ and walk through that in life, you walk from pasture to pasture, to pasture, and to pasture. No matter what, he supplies every need, no matter what you're going through, no matter what's going on, if you walk through the door of Jesus Christ, he provides pasture constantly for what you need. No matter what you need, you're walking in and in, 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 out. When you're going in, You're going in. You're going in. There's no walking out unless you choose a different door. That's when you walk out. Jesus is the door. Jesus is the door. Walk into him and experience the pasture that you need in the circumstances you're going through. Let him be that for you. Let him... Let his frame release what is needed in the provision as you walk through Jesus Christ to the door. Pastor Dan.
Thank you, Jeremiah. Thank you, Jesus, for being that way. Wow. We love you more and more, Jesus. Thank you. Let's stand up. Hallelujah. If you haven't started your journey with Jesus, what better time than during the Christmas season? What better time? Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day. Let's close our eyes and our heads for a moment. If you're in the audience today and you'd like to say, Pastor Dan, I'm, I've been confronted with Jesus today and I find him irresistible. And I, he's knocking on the door of my heart and he's saying, I'm, I'm a, I'm your door to green pastures. And you want to say to him, I'm taking that step through that door. I'm responding to him. I want to just bless you and pray for you. Just raise your hand up. If that's you today, just humbly raise your hand up. Say, that's, I'm starting with Jesus today. Okay. Recommitment. No, that's a recommitment. Anybody else? Okay. Good. Two people. These two, yes, another one, yeah, three people. These three people, oh God, that are, in fact, let's all say this together to help them out. It's an access prayer, a born-again prayer. It's a faith-releasing prayer. Jesus, in, a, in his word, his word says three times, whoever calls on the name of the Lord Jesus shall be saved. So you three people, say this after me, but all of us together to make it easier for them. Let's all of us say, Dear Lord Jesus, I call upon you to save me. Forgive all my sins. Cause me to be born from above right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you three, be sure you, you uh, text a Christian friend you, res you respect or call them today. Let them know that you ask Jesus in your heart because their calling is to disciple you into ever-increasing levels of supernatural joy. That's our destiny. Hallelujah. If you'd like prayer for anything, we have an atmosphere, an environment, a culture of miracles here at New Song Church. Miracles are normative. Miracles are normal. They're supernaturally natural around here. If you need a miracle in some area of your life, come up to the front right now. Come up to the front right now. We have some elders, some leaders that will come and pray with you and for you for that breakthrough, okay? Just come on up right now. Just, just humbly come up right now and say, I need some help right now. Anybody else? Anybody else want prayer today for something? Healing or anything today? A breakthrough in your life in some area of your life today just come on up right now those of you at home just call on jesus for help even as we're praying here god bless you everybody merry christmas to you all we love you god loves you walk in that remember jesus is your door amen and amen